Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers 
Now there's a reason and a purpose that the Lord gave these gifts to the church. Verse 12 tells us it's for the perfecting of the saints, or the bringing to maturity the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, a mature man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now I want to read verse 13, just verse 13 in the Amplified Classic Edition, and it will bring out more clarity. It says that it, the body of Christ, the church, might develop until we all attain oneness, unity, in the faith and in the comprehension of the full and accurate knowledge of the Son of God that we might arrive at really mature manhood, the completeness of personality, which is nothing less than the standard height of Christ's own perfection, the measure of the stature of the fullness of the Christ and the completeness found in him. This is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to bring the body of Christ through teaching and preaching and ministry to full maturity and our standard of measure is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Can we ever stand up to him as far as him being the standard of measurement? Probably not, but we strive for it till he comes, and then the Bible says we will be as he is. Yes. So we will reach that place of maturity someday. It might not be till he comes, but we will get there. But God has given to the church what is known as the fivefold ministry, apostles, uh, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. That's called the fivefold ministry. But under that, there's other ministries. There's the ministry of helps, uh, because we can't do it by ourselves. I can teach and preach, but I can't run the whole church. I can't do everything in the church. And so we have the ministry of help. Everybody has a part to play. You know, Brother Joe is in the sound booth. He's making sure that you guys can hear me and that we're recording this morning. And then we had the praise and worship team up there. And then we have a children's worker in the back teaching the children and teaching the youth. And then we have, even before that, people behind the scenes cleaning the church, sanitizing the church, making it safe for us to meet in here this morning. Uh, just all kinds of things. You know, uh, Brother Queenie did the grass yesterday, and, and so it would look nice when we come here. See, I can't do all those things. We need help. And so there's the ministry of help. But my job is to teach and, and, and preach and do the work of the ministry through you. Amen. 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 And I can't get everybody saved. That's your job. Right. Amen. Sheep, beget sheep. Amen. Yes. Amen. And so you get them saved and you bring them here. And then we'll bring them to maturity. Amen. Amen. Now if I run across somebody needs saved, and I'll, I'll get them saved and bring them in. Amen. Amen. But that's basically the job of the church. And uh, you know, our job is to help and develop individual believers and bring them into the maturity in the body of Christ, the church. And God desires for us to grow strong in the spirit. He wants us mature and develop in the spirit as Christians, and we're going to use for a standard Christ himself. Don't compare yourself with other people. Don't compare yourself with some big televangelist. Don't compare yourself to somebody that impresses you. You try to measure up to Christ. 
Overlook everybody else and look yes. to Christ. Keep him in mind. Keep yes. him in sight as your standard of measurement. That's who I want to be like. Amen? And this growth doesn't come easy because there's something opposing us. There's something trying to hold us back. There's an adversary, an enemy opposing us. And I know you think it's the devil, and it is partly the devil, but the real enemy that you need to be concerned with is your flesh. That will hold you back even more than the devil. The devil stands back with a lot of people, and he thinks, well, if they just give me a chance, I'll oppose them. But their flesh is opposing them good enough, so I'll go bother somebody else. And we think it's the devil messing us up, but it's not. It's our flesh. And we have to get that under control. And we have to get our, to the place where our spirit is bigger with more authority than our flesh. You know, I hate to say it, but a lot of people are, nobody in this room, I'm sure, but a lot of people are carnally ruled. They're ruled by their flesh. They're carnal. They're fleshly. Oh, they get spiritual when they come to church on Sunday or Wednesday or something like that. But 99% of the rest of the week, they're being ruled by their flesh. They're doing everything their flesh wants to do. And the real you is a spirit that has a soul that consists of the mind, the will, and the emotions. That's the real you. You just live in this physical body during your time here on the earth. But I'm looking through my eyes right now and I see you, but you don't really see me. You see my house, my tabernacle, my tent, my dwelling place. But the real me is looking out the windows of my eyes. I'm on the inside. I am a spirit. Yes. I have a soul and I live in this body. And you're the same way. So our spirit is what should be ruling our flesh. Our spirit should be is what should be uh, ruling our lives. We should be spirit led and not flesh led, not carnally led. And as a matter of fact, the, the apostle Paul tells us about this opposition in Galatians five seventeen. He says, "For the flesh wars against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh." And these two are contrary to one to the other, so that you can't do what you want to do or you can what you desire to do. This war that's going on, on on the inside is stopping me from doing what I know is right. And that's because my flesh is stronger than my spirit. But there's a story about an old Cherokee Indian, and he's teaching his grandson about life. And he tells his grandson, a fight is going on inside me. It's a terrible fight, and it's between two wolves. One wolf is evil. He is anger, envy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, and superiority, and ego. He continued, the other wolf is good. He is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. And then he tells his grandson, the same fight is going on inside of you and every other person as well. And the grandson thought about it for a minute and then asked his grandfather, he says, which wolf will win? And the old Cherokee grandfather looked at him and he said, the one you feed. Yeah. Yeah, Think about that a minute. Yeah. The one you feed. 
Now the flesh and the spirit are like the two wolves. As a matter of fact, they both have very similar characteristics. I, de I described to you through those wolves, and I didn't alter one thing, that's what the old enemy said, but I described to you almost to the T the works of the flesh that you'll also find in Galatians, the fifth chapter. And then I told you, I also told you the characteristics of the spirit-led life, the love, joy, peace, almost like he was reading out of the Bible. And so the two wolves is the flesh and the spirit. And the one you feed is the one that will win. You feed the desires of the flesh and starve the spirit, and the flesh will win. Yeah. But the flesh leads to death. But if you feed the spirit and starve the flesh, then the spirit will win, and the spirit leads to life. Right. Not only life, but that more abundantly. And so who is it that can't seem to do the things you would desire? The real you. The spirit man, the, the, the person that's on the inside here, the spirit man, the real you, the spirit man, because your spirit uh, communicates with God. God don't talk to your flesh. God don't talk to your mind. The devil will. Yes. The devil will work through your flesh and your mind. Hallelujah. Uh, Well, I'll get to that in a second. I'm, almost, I'm trying to jump ahead of myself here. I don't want to do that. But the, the, the real you, the spirit man, the one that's communicating with God, has a desire to do what's right. Yeah. But something's keeping you from doing it. And it's the flesh. Because the flesh is sensual. It communicates with the things of the world. And John said in his first epistle, for the world offers only a craving for physical desires, physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, not from heaven, not from the Spirit, but are from this world. The King James calls it the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's all that's in the world. And that's what is ministering to your flesh. That is what is communicating with your flesh. And as children of God, we're to be led by the Spirit of God. Uh, the Bible tells us in Romans, they that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God or the sons of God. And we're not to be led by the cravings and desires of our flesh. And But when your flesh is stronger than your spirit, because you've been feeding that wolf more than you've been feeding the other wolf, the spirit, then the flesh is going to dominate your life. And you're going to be seeking after things that will gratify the flesh. And you'll never reach the level of spiritual maturity that God wants us to reach. And the reason the real you is unable to do what you really desire, Paul says, I can't do what I, what I want to do or what I desire to do, is because you've allowed your flesh to grow stronger than your spirit. Now, I know nobody in this room, nobody in the Facebook audience, but you may know somebody that needs to hear this. Hit the share button and tell them, you need to hear this. But it comes from feeding your flesh more than your spirit. And if you want to correct that, then you have to start starving that flesh wolf and feeding that spirit wolf. Right. Amen? Amen? So how's that accomplished? Go to church. Right. First of all, go to church. And let me just say this. If you are physically capable and able to go to church, then you should be in church. Amen. Amen. You're here, so I ain't talking to you, but you should go to church. Now, if you're if you're what we call a shut-in, a lock-in, 
uh, you've got ailments or you can't physically go to church for whatever reason, uh, maybe you're high risk and you don't want to take the chance, God bless you, you can listen all you want on Facebook. But if you're physically able, you should be physically in the church. But there's things happening in this church, like right before we come on Facebook Live, we had a little session of prayer, and uh, we talked about a few things that I probably couldn't talk about on Facebook Live. And so you're missing out on things. Plus, the anointing is different. Amen. 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 So you need to be in church if you're physically able. If you're not physically able, you're welcome to this Facebook feed. Amen. Amen. But, you know, you go to church, you listen to the Word, and you read the word, listen to CDs, get more word in you, more fellowship with God, and then deny the flesh through fasting. And I'm not just talking about food. Yes, food is a good fast. It won't hurt you to fast. I, not, not, as far as I know, it's never killed anybody to fast from a meal or two. I'm not talking about 40-day fasting like Jesus did or some other churches might do. I'm talking about just deny your flesh something that you normally like say. You know, you're at dinner and you usually get a piece of cheesecake afterwards. Just say, no, you didn't get no cheesecake today, Mr. Flesh. Just deny it. And, and what that does is it builds up your spirit and it puts you in control of your flesh. Your flesh is not telling you what to do. Well, it's trying to, but you deny it. Your spirit is stronger than that. Man. You can say, no cheesecake, no french fries. <laughs> I feel the pain already. <laughs> and you just start denying your flesh some things. And your spirit grows stronger, and your flesh comes into submission. Tell it it's not going to sleep in this morning. It's going to get up and go to church. Grab it by the collar, get it out of bed, take it to church. Tell it you're not going to eat that, like I just said. You're not going to do that. Yes, you're going to church. Yes, you're going to do this. Yes, you're going to work. Yes, you're going to work that overtime. Uh, and you're going to read the word. You're going to pray. Amen. And if you do that, which wolf is going to grow stronger? Yes. The spirit. Amen. Amen. The one you feed. Paul teaches us more about that in Romans 7, 15 through 25 in the Amplified. He says, for I do not understand my own actions. I am baffled and bewildered. I do not practice or accomplish what I wish, but I do the very thing that I loathe, which my moral instinct condemns. This is the great apostle Paul. And the I Paul is referring to is his spirit, man. When he says, for I do not understand, he ain't talking about this. He's talking about the spirit man inside. Man. For I do not understand. And, and I mean, have you ever been baffled or bewildered because you can't understand why you did something, yet you did it anyway? Right. Am I the only one? I, I, that's happened to me before. I did something I knew was wrong before I did it. I knew it was wrong when I did it. And I especially knew it was wrong after I did it because I felt condemned afterwards. Right. And, and you know, you're baffled and bewildered because you're scratching your head and you're saying, why did I do that? I don't know why I did that. I wish I wouldn't have did that, but you did. So in other words, you feel terrible about it because it's not what you wanted to do, the real you, but you gave into the flesh and you did it anyway. Verse 16 says, Now if I, the real me, do habitually what is contrary to my desire, that means that I acknowledge and agree that the law, which is walking in love, that's our law, is good, morally excellent, and that I take sides with it. 
In other words, I know the word is right and I totally agree with it. However, it is no longer I who do the deed, but the sin principle which is at home in me and has possession of me. He's talking about a flesh-controlled life. And I believe he's talking about somebody that's not born again or saved. But then he says in verse 18, For I know that nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh. That's a strong statement. Nothing good dwells in me, my flesh. I can will what is right or want to do what's right, but I cannot perform it. I have the intention and urge to do what is right, but no power to carry it out. Isn't that the truth? The road to good intentions leads where? Nowhere. So he intends to do right, but he doesn't. And uh, so this is an indication that your flesh has become stronger than your spirit, man. And, and you know what's right, you want to do what's right, but for some reason, you just don't do it. And then in verse 19, he says, For I fail to practice the good deeds I desire to do. But the evil deeds that I do not desire to do are what I am ever doing. So this is a good indication of a flesh-ruled life. If you're constantly sorry for things that you did, and, but you keep doing them anyway, then that's a good indication that your flesh is leading your life rather than your spirit man. That's why the flesh needs to be denied on a daily basis. It needs to be put in its place and sometimes even discipline. Paul said, I discipline my flesh daily. How does he do that? Does he spank himself? No, he denies it something. He said, no, you're not going to do that. You're not going to have that. You're not going to stay up and watch the late show. You're going to get to bed. Then you're going to get up early and you're going to go to work or you're going to go to church. He's dictating to his flesh how he's going to live. And that's the place of spiritual maturity that we all want to get to. Amen. Okay. You know, my wife and I were counseling with a good man a while back, and he was hooked on painkillers, and it was through no fault of his own. He was taking them at first because of an injury he had that was very painful. But I'm telling you, these things are so easy to get hooked on that he, he got hooked on. He wanted to do right, but he couldn't. He'd go straight for a while, and things would begin to look up, and then the next thing he knew, he was right back on him again. He had become dependent on him. Not him, but the flesh. And he was bewildered and baffled, just like Paul was talking about, because he knew it was wrong. He knew it, the damage it was causing in his life. He knew the damage it would cause to his family. His finances were being affected. And, and yet, as hard as he tried, he found himself doing the thing that he hated to do, just like Paul was talking about. And, and when we talked to him, we could feel his discouragement. We could hear the disappointment in his voice. He felt like a failure. And so we would try to encourage him, and we would try to give him scriptures and, and tell him to spend more time in the Word. You know, Jesus set you free, and whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And we gave him freedom scriptures to meditate on. And, and so he would do that. Uh, he wanted to do what was right, but he just couldn't. And like the Apostle Paul said, he found him doing the thing that he loathed. He found himself doing the thing that he loathed, the thing he didn't want to do. His spirit man was being dominated by his flesh. And that's because the, the flesh was being fed more than the spirit. Uh, he, he was trying to gratify the flesh through taking those painkillers. And remember, the flesh is very sensible. 
It's in the world. All it's concerned with is lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's all he's worried about. What can you do for me? What can I get? How can you make me feel good? And it's a pleasure seeker, and it loves to do things that makes it feel good. It likes to sleep. It likes to be entertained. It likes to drink. It likes to smoke. It likes to get high. It likes to watch things that it shouldn't be watching. Everything that's sensual and brings pleasure is what this flesh is seeking after all the time. And so the flesh needs to be controlled and needs to be disciplined because unfortunately that lifestyle will lead to death eventually. The, the flesh will drink itself to death, smoke itself to death, drunk itself to death, it will eat itself to death, it will do everything, whatever you let it do, it will do. And the problem with that is it is never satisfied, it wants more, more, more. Amen. Amen. Good preaching, Pastor. <laughs> but thank God he did eventually whip that thing. Hallelujah. Growing strong in the word and God and, 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 and strong in the spirit and eventually reached a place where he could put his foot down and deny his flesh the very thing that could have destroyed him. Thank God. And that comes through the, the word. It comes by the Holy Spirit to give him strength. In verse 20 it says, Now if I do what I do not desire to do, it is no longer I doing it. It is not myself that acts, but the sin principle which dwells within me fixed and operating in my soul. So I find it to be a law, a rule of action on my being, that when I want to do what is right and good, evil is ever present with me, and I am subject to its insistent demands. So in other words, there's going to be resistance. Every time I go to do what's right, I'm going to be resisted. The flesh is going to resist me, and if that doesn't get it, then the devil is going to try to resist me and place obstacles in my way and reasons why I can't do what I desire to do. And then in verse 22, he says, For I endorse and delight in the law of God, the commandment of God. What is that? That we love one another and love our neighbors as ourselves. So in my inmost self, with my new nature, Paul has a new nature. If you're born again, you have a new nature. You have the nature of God living on the inside of you. It was put there at the new birth. So in other words, since I've been born again, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I put off the old nature, the sensual flesh nature, the sin nature, and I put on a new nature, the nature of my Father God. The love of God has been shed abroad in my heart. I'm ready to go. Amen. Now I've got to feed this spirit and make it strong. I'm a baby Christian. I'm a baby spirit. I have to feed this spirit and make it strong and get it to the place where it's stronger than the flesh that's been ruling me all my life. And so he says in verse 23, But I discern in my bodily members, in the sensitive appetites and wills of the flesh, a different law, a different nature, a rule of action at war against the law of my mind, my reason, and making me a prisoner to the law of sin that dwells in my bodily organs, in the sensitive appetites and wills of the flesh. Now we've been talking about the battle between the spirit and the flesh, but now Paul begins to talk about the mind and the reasoning of our mind. 
it plays a part here somehow, and we need to find out what it is. So Paul is describing the battle between the two wolves, the spirit and the flesh. The spirit wants to do what's right, but his flesh is doing the opposite. But Paul is always saying that this force, his flesh, is at war with his mind, his ability to reason. And then he describes the way that it makes him feel in the next verse. Verse 24, he says, O unhappy and pitiable and wretched man that I am, who will release and deliver me from the shackles of this body of death, from the bondage of this flesh that I live in? He called this flesh bondage. He said, who will deliver me from this? I'm unhappy, I'm pitiful, I'm wretched. See, our flesh is messed up. Our flesh is a mess. And we can't seem to control it and keep it from sin. It seems hopeless at times. I mean, if the great apostle Paul had a hard time controlling his flesh and disciplining his flesh, and had a hard time doing what was right, even though he knew what was right, then what about us? We're not the great apostle Paul. And we don't have the revelation that he did. I mean, he was a missionary. He started churches. He, he got people saved. He got people filled with the Holy Spirit. He was all over the world. And, and here we are doing the nine to five, coming to church every time the doors is open, uh, praying when we have time, reading the word when we have time, fellowshipping with God and other Christians when we have time. How are we going to overcome this thing? Same way Paul overcome it. He's going to tell us too. Uh, he says, who can help me to overcome the thing that I constantly keep doing that I don't want to do? Who can help us overcome the thing that we don't seem to have power over? Uh, how are we ever going to get past this thing? And it made him cry out, like in the King James, he said, oh, wretched man that I am. Can you tell Paul wasn't happy by himself? He said, he's wretched. Oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this body of sin? Paul's looking for deliverance. He's looking for freedom. But then he gives us the answer in the very next, next verse, verse 25. He says, oh, thank God. He will, through Jesus Christ. God will, through Jesus Christ, the anointed one, our Lord. So then, indeed, I of myself, with the mind and heart, Another word for the heart is spirit. Another word for the spirit is heart. They're interchangeable. It's not talking about his heart that's pumping blood. He's talking about his spirit, man. And he said, I of myself with, with the mind and heart serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. These two are contrary the one to the other. And they will never agree on anything. You might as well get that in your head right now. Your flesh and your spirit will never agree. They are diametrically opposed to one another. So one of them needs to be the boss. Like with two dogs and two wolves, there's an alpha wolf. And then there's a wolf that follows. So you've got to make your spirit the alpha wolf. It's got to be the one that speaks the orders and, and the flesh has to follow. But Paul's telling us plainly here that we have to serve God with our mind and our heart or our spirit. Mind and heart. And so in other words, our heart, our spirit man, and our mind has to come into unity. So this is the key to defeating the flesh wolf. And what I believe he's telling us is that the war that's going on between the spirit and the flesh is going to appear, appear in the court of your mind. 
the war is going to appear in the court of your mind, and there it's going to be decided which wolf wins in your mind. Flesh, spirit, diametrically opposed, always disagreeing, never coming together, and then that appears in the court of the mind, and the mind decides. It becomes a choice that you have to make. But, but here's the thing. Uh, your mind is going to be the deciding factor concerning what, what you do and which wolf that you feed. And the mind plays an important part in this war because uh, your born-again spirit already wants to do with what's right because the nature of God dwells there. When you were born again, your spirit was changed. And you have a, a, a brand new spirit with the nature of God and the love of God in it. But your flesh wants to do what's wrong because the nature of sin dwells there. And your spirit is born again, but your mind and your flesh has to be trained. And whose job is it to train? Yours. It's your mind. It's your flesh. You need to be the one to train. Amen. I can't train it. I'm trying to, but it won't listen to me. That's why Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, I beseech you, brethren, I beg you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. When your body gets to the place, your flesh gets to the place that you can't handle it anymore, sacrifice it. Give it to God. Say, God, I can't handle this thing anymore. You take it. I'm giving it to you. Rather than me do these things, I'm turning this flesh over to you. You know, there's a place in the Bible where Paul even tells the believer to turn his, turn his flesh over yes. to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Yes. That got pretty bad there. He couldn't handle his flesh. And God says, turn it over to Satan. Let it be destroyed. In other words, let Satan kill him. At least his soul is in a safe state. He'll go to heaven. Uh, so that's pretty bad when you let your flesh get so out of control that God wants to kill it. Amen? So we don't want it to get to that place. But then in verse 2 he says, Don't be conformed to this world, because what's in the world? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Everything the flesh wants is in the world. He said, don't conform to that. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is a good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we're to transform our minds, deny our flesh, transform our minds, because the mind is where your will is. That's where you decide what you want and don't want to do. It's in your mind. And, and uh, so it's always going to be where you decide who you're going to side with. Now, if your mind is carnally minded, it's always going to side with the flesh. But if it's spiritually minded, it will side with the spirit. And you'll do what's right. So you renew your mind, how? On the word of God. And there's two distinct benefits from doing that. Number one, you're training your mind concerning the will of God for your life. Because what's in the Bible, the word of God, that's the will of God. So you're training your mind as to what the will of God is. And number two... You're feeding your spirit. So your spirit has grown bigger. Your flesh has grown smaller. It's getting smaller. And, and your spirit is starting to lead your life. So when it comes down to making choices, your mind will side with your spirit and you'll do what's right. And you'll deny the flesh from doing that thing that you don't want to do to begin with. I hope I'm making this plain. Amen. 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 
Jesus said, we can't serve two masters. You're playing to the one and hate the other, vice versa. And, and so we have to make up our minds. Spirit wants to do right. Flesh wants to do what's wrong. Make up our minds that we're going to do what's right. And it's like Joshua told the people of Israel in the wilderness, choose you this day whom you shall serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It was his will to serve the Lord. That was his mind. So anytime it came to a decision, who am I going to serve today? It's going to be God. He's always going to serve God. He's going to do what God told him to do, not what his flesh wanted him to do. He, me and Miss Laura was talking about that this morning, you know, where Joshua uh, didn't consult with the Lord in certain things, and man, he got whipped and defeated and everything else. So, you know, he got a little bit big-headed, and the pride of life entered in, and he said, I, I can handle this myself. And got whipped by a little army you know, in the city of Ai. Yeah. And so we have to get to the place where we yield to God's spirit. Yeah. We do what's right. We do what God tells us to do. Yeah. And he'll see us through. Man. And we can't get to the place where, you know, God, can I buy this new Mercedes here? And your flesh is saying, sure you can. Sure, sit down. Put the numbers on paper. Look, look, it'll work out. You can afford this. You can do this. You know your flesh will lie to you. Right? Oh, yeah. And then you get that Mercedes home in the first month. You struggle with payment. You didn't, you didn't consider the, the maintenance on it. You didn't consider the insurance costs on it. Right. So now your blessing become a curse. Yeah. See, the blessing of the Lord make us rich, but it has no sorrow. Well, you got sorrow, and that tells me that wasn't a blessing of the Lord. Amen. <laughs> That's a blessing from the devil. Right. So we need to be spiritually minded and keep us out of a lot of trouble. But you know, uh, all of us have something in our lives that we really struggle with. At least I do. I can't speak for you, but there's things I struggle with. And, and we've done the same thing over and over and over. And we've repented and we've asked God's forgiveness uh, the same amount of times that we did it. Until we get to the place where we don't even want to go to God anymore. We're so ashamed and condemned that I, I just can't go to him anymore. I keep doing this same, same thing over and over. I keep doing that which I don't want to do. And I don't understand why. So I'm not even going to go to God. It's a joke, you know. And I just deal with it myself. And then you just get into it worse and deeper and deeper. But here's the problem with that. You can never become... Uh, spiritually mature or grow in the things of God as long as you feel condemned. Because once you feel condemned, you don't want to go to God anymore. Right. Amen? Amen. And I, I used this example before with my kids. You know, if I told them to clean their room, let them come home from work, and the room is worse than when I left it, that would not be a good time for my kids to come to me and ask me for something. Right. Amen. Amen. And they wouldn't anyway because they know I'm looking for them and they feel condemned. And so it keeps it breaks the fellowship with me and my children now. See, that sin, that disobedience, now they broke fellowship with me. They're condemned and they're ashamed to come to me. That's the way we are with God. We get to the place where we're so condemned and the devil beating you in the head with it and saying, yeah, you should be condemned. You ain't got no business going to God. You should be ashamed of yourself. And so you're walking around beat down all the time because you broke fellowship with God because of the thing that you were into, the thing that you don't think God can forgive you for. And, and, but here's the problem with that. You don't grow. The spirit gets weaker and the flesh gets stronger. 
But what you fail to remember is that if you were truly sorry and you repented from that thing, then God not only forgives you, but he cleanses you from unrighteousness, and he takes your sin and throws it into the sea of forgiveness to be remembered no more. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I go out and sin again. I, I could always go back and ask him for forgiveness, and he has to forgive me. Grace, grace, he, he's given me the measure of grace, and his grace is abundant, and his grace never runs out. I'll just keep sinning and keep getting forgiven. No, no that's not how it works. But you have to get that sin under the blood so that you can come boldly before his throne and, and, and ask forgiveness again and, and be confident knowing that he will forgive you again. But we can't take advantage of, uh, of that. Uh, I mean, if, if you truly repent and you're sorry and you, you ask this forgiveness, he forgives you. He does truly forget it. Because yeah. if you ask him in the next breath to forgive you for that sin again, he wouldn't even know what you're talking about. Right. That's how thoroughly he forgot. Right. And, and hallelujah for that, you know. But please understand this. I'm not telling you it's okay to keep sinning and take right. advantage of God's grace. Right. This doesn't give us a free pass to continue sinning. Paul said in Romans 6, 15, What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law? And then he says, God forbid. No, you don't sin. Just because you have grace, you don't take advantage of it and continue to sin. Uh, grace not only forgives our sin, but it, it empowers us and strengthens us to overcome the sin. Right. Uh, uh, God told Paul through the Holy Spirit, he says, my grace is sufficient for thee. In other words, I'm not removing this thing, this, uh, this thorn in your flesh that's been badgering you. Uh, Paul prayed three times, and God said, no, I ain't removing it. My grace, my strength, my power, my anointing is more than sufficient for you to handle it yourself. So grace is not just greasy that you slide into heaven with. It's something that gives you strength. Uh, and so, at first, you may have to repent and ask forgiveness every day. And then you get to the place as you're feeding your spirit, renewing your mind, and starving your flesh. You'll get to the place where you eventually uh, have to ask forgiveness every other day. And then once a week, and then once a month, and then once a year. And then all of a sudden, the power of that sin is broken. His grace has become sufficient for you to deal with it yourself. Your spirit man got bigger than your flesh, and now you've defeated it totally, and it's not even a temptation for you anymore. Yeah. And this is how it was with many things that I quit in my life. Quit drinking, it was the same way. That was a strong wolf. Quit smoking, that was a strong wolf. It didn't happen overnight. It come a little bit at a time, and each day I got stronger and stronger until now it's not even a temptation for me anymore. So don't ever get the attitude, I can sin all I want because God will forgive me every time. Uh, it's like I said, that's not how it works. God wants you to conquer your sins and he gave us the power to do it through Jesus Christ is what Paul told us. He knows it may take time and he's patient. He's long suffering because he doesn't want you to grow weary and well doing and he especially doesn't want you to feel condemned because of it. Amen. He's not saying it's all right to sin. He's saying, I don't want you condemned over it. Because right. condemnation will break fellowship with me and you won't come to me anymore. And your, your last day will be worse than the first. In Romans 8, 1 through 3, in Amplified, he says, 
Therefore, there is now no condemnation, no judging guilty of wrong, uh, no guilt of wrong. Praise the Lord. Wait a minute now. Uh, there is no condemnation, no judging, guilty of wrong for who? Oh, I guess that's me talking now. I got to be saying with my scripture here. I thought I was still reading scripture. But anyway, who are you talking about? Who there is no condemnation for? You and I. Yes. Yeah, so he don't want us to be condemned. He didn't say continue sinning. He says, I don't want you to be condemned. He says, for those who are in Christ Jesus, who live and walk, not after the dictates of the flesh, but after the dictates of the spirit. So that's who there's no condemnation for. Uh, uh, just like I said, grace is not a sin, uh, a ticket to sin city. Uh, grace is to get you through and empower you to overcome. What it's saying is that there's no condemnation as long as you're trying your best to walk after the spirit and denying the flesh to do what's right. If you're trying, there's no condemnation for you. Uh, then he says, verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, the law of our new being has freed me from the law of sin and of death. The spirit of life frees you. Remember, Paul said, who can deliver me from this body of sin? The spirit of life. For God has done what the law cannot do. It's power being weakened by the flesh, the entire nature of man, without the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. Have you ever been so weak that you couldn't resist something? I have, and I'm not ashamed to admit it. But I'm telling you, I've overcome everything in my life that has, caught, that has held me back and kept me from being all I can be for God. Am I perfect? No. Do I have moments of weakness? Yes, I have the same flesh you do. But I'm telling you, every time I'm challenged, I overcome it. Amen. And it gets to the place where my spirit is definitely bigger than my flesh. My flesh don't tell me what to do. If it does, it's because I let it get away with something in my mind. Yeah. I ate that cheesecake. Mm. I got the, the fries instead of steamed broccoli. Right. But, you know, that's a sin up, but I'm not out of control. That don't happen every single day. Amen? Amen? Why? My spirit is stronger. I've been feeding the spirit wolf more than I've been feeding the flesh wolf. Right. And then it says, For God has done what the law cannot do. It's power being weakened by the flesh and entire nature of man without the Holy Spirit. Sending his own son in the guise of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin, God condemns sin in the flesh. How did he do it? He subdued it, overcame it, deprived it of its power over all who accept that sacrifice. I accepted that sacrifice. You accepted that sacrifice. The day you got born again, you accepted that Jesus Christ is Lord over your life. You accepted the sacrifice he made for you on Calvary. Now let me tell you something. We got three little temptations in the Bible, but the Bible tells us that Jesus was tempted in all things. All things, everything that you've ever been tempted with or being tempted with now will ever be tempted with again. Jesus was already tempted in those things. Amen. And yet he did it without sin. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Amen. People think, oh, he, you know, he was uh, the bread and getting thrown off the temple. And, you know, that wasn't all his temptations. He was in the desert 40 days and 40 nights. Yeah. He was tempted in every way. 
And his flesh was weak. It was hungry. It was thirsty. It was tired. It was hot during the day, cold during the night. It would have been easy for him to yield, but he did. Right. And he did it as a man, just like you and I. Proving that we could do it just like him. Amen. Now, I'm just going to say this. I know there's people listening to me now. Whether you're in the sanctuary this morning or on Facebook Live, I know in the spirit that there's people listening to me that are going to agree with everything I say this morning, and yet they're going to leave here or they're going to turn off that Facebook feed and they're going to go back to doing the same things that they've been doing and not change one thing. I know that already. You know, the, the parable of the sower, you know, he sowed uh, 100% seed, only 25% yielded fruit. And out of that 25%, only eight of them yielded 100-fold fruit. So, you know, I know the odds for preaching the gospel because the seed was the word. I know the odds for preaching the gospel to 100 people. I'm only going to get eight of them to produce fruit. So if I get more than that, it's a bonus. But the Lord himself only got eight people, 8% out of 100%. So I know there's going to be people that listen but don't do. And I understand that. I pray that you don't. I pray that you make the right choice and start doing something. Start changing something. Amen. Start changing. I mean, you want to do what's right. Your spirit is telling you that. If you're born again, your spirit is telling you, no, don't do that. Yes, do this. And yet your flesh is telling you, no, I'm going to do what I want to do. You shut up. That's right. And your spirit should be telling your flesh to shut up. You're going to do what I tell you to do. Right. Amen. Amen. I know that's going to happen, but I, it's not my... I don't wish that on anybody. I pray that everybody heeds the word and changes something in their life and starts maturing in the spirit, growing in the spirit, and denying the flesh. But you have to accept the sacrifice. You have to accept what Jesus did for you and have faith in you. That's who delivers you from this body of sin. Verse 4 says, So that the righteous and just requirement of the law might be fully met in us who live and move not in the ways of the flesh but in the ways of the spirit our lives governed not by the standards and according to the dictates of the flesh not by the standards of the flesh but controlled by the Holy Spirit for those who are according to the flesh and are controlled by its unholy desires set their minds on and pursue those things which gratify the flesh but those who are according to the Spirit are controlled by the desires of the Spirit. They set their minds on and seek those things that gratify the Holy Ghost. Amen. There's a big difference between the flesh and the Spirit. Now I'm getting ready to close. I know I'm in a couple extra minutes, but you know, I only get you an hour a week. The world got y'all the other time. I'm, I'm behind the eight ball already. So I'm going to take a couple extra minutes and a half. And then he says in verse 6, Now the mind of the flesh, which is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit, he's not involved in the Holy Spirit in his decisions. The flesh is doing what it wants to do. You shut up, Holy Spirit. I'm doing what I want to do. Shame on us. But he says, uh, Now the mind of the flesh, which is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit, is dead. Death that comprises all the mis miseries arising from sin, both here and hereafter. Now, it might not be physical death, but I'm telling you, sin is going to kill something. 
It's going to kill your job. It's going to kill your marriage. It's going to kill a relationship. It's going to kill your health. It's going to kill something in your life. And eventually, the ultimate goal of the flesh is to kill itself. Just, just overdose on something. And so we don't want that. Amen? But here it's saying that, but if you're spiritually minded, if you're fleshly minded, you're going to experience death. But if you're spiritually minded, then you'll experience life and peace. I've experienced both, and life and peace is better. Amen? Amen. I've been rich and I've been poor, and rich is better. So we have choices in life. I mean, is there anyone in here that is not experiencing life and peace in every area of your life? You might have life and peace in one area of your life, but not have it in another. Well, that's the area you need to work on. You need to get life and peace back in that area and stop the death from working in it. And uh, these areas in life where you, where you don't have life and peace, uh, where you don't have victory, where you don't have the things that, that are necessary, uh, it's in those areas that you're not seeking to be spiritually minded. Because if you were spiritually minded in that area, there'd be life and peace. And if you're carnally minded, there's going to be death or the effects of death. So what does it mean to be spiritually minded? Simply put, Jesus said, my word is spirit and it is what? Life. My word is spirit and it is life. So being spiritually minded simply means being spiritually mature in the word of God. That's what I'm trying to get you to be this morning, at least in this portion of the word, in this area of your life, I'm trying to get you to be spiritually minded and bring life and peace into this area of your life. That's my job this morning. Amen. So to be spiritually mature and word-minded, that's why it's so important that our mind is renewed on the Word of God. So when we do have a choice to make, we got the Word up here. Well, I know what choice I'm going to make. The Word says to do this. That's what I'm going to do because I'm spiritually minded. And I'm going to bring life to that, peace to that area of my life. If I listen to the flesh because I'm lacking the Word for this situation, and I choose the flesh and I side with the flesh and decide to do what the flesh wants to do, I'm going to get in trouble because that's going to bring death into my life. Yeah. So that's why we don't want you missing church. Amen. Amen. You know, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God in, in Romans 10, 17. So where are you going to hear the word? In church for sure. Amen. Every time you come here, you're going to hear some word. Maybe more than you want to hear this morning, but you're going to hear some word. Why? Because I want faith coming to your life. And you've got to believe, though. You know, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. I'm hearing the word this morning. Faith is coming. Come on, faith. Get in me, faith. Why? Because you're hearing the word. And it's faith that you need. Faith is what overcomes the world. Faith is what overcomes fear. Faith is what overcomes the carnally minded flesh. And faith is what gets you the things of God, the promises of God fulfilled Amen. in your life. So we want faith coming in all areas of our life. See, when you're faced with a challenge of any kind, you'll immediately remember the word that you heard, you heard, and you'll think spiritually minded. You're going to leave here today, and you're going to get challenged. You might even get challenged before you leave this parking lot. But you're going to be challenged to think spiritually minded or fleshly minded. And as soon as you lose your temper, guess who you just fed? As soon as you got angry, guess who you just fed? 
the flesh wolf. Right. That was not spiritually minded. And by you getting angry, losing your temper, saying things, right. stepping out of the law of life, the, the walking in love commandment, as soon as you step out of that and into the carnal side of your life, and you say and do things that you really uh, will regret later, but you know, it, it, it's hard to unring a bell. And even though you apologize, you say, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that, uh, the bell has been rung. You're going to cause pain to your partner or your friend or whoever it is that you lost your temper with. And, and, and that doesn't bring spirit and life or life and peace. That brings death. Death to the relationship, death to the trust that they have for you, death to the different things in a relationship. And, and so we, we have to avoid that. How? Be spiritually minded. Yes. Feed, feed that wolf with the word. Give that word to Give that wolf the word of God. Get your mind renewed on the word of God. So when the two are opposing each other and they come into the court of your mind for settlement, your mind is going to be the judge, then it will side with the spirit. Amen. And you bring life and peace into that area of your life. Amen? Amen. All right, I went a few minutes over. I think y'all survived. Okay. Let's yeah. pray. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We give you glory and honor. Thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your kindness, your love, your forgiveness, your grace, your peace, your protection, your provision. Thank you for all the wonderful things and the wonderful gifts that you give us, Lord. Thank you, especially this morning, for the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord, that he indwells us, that he lives in us, that he empowers us. He's our key to victory over the flesh. Help us in, in the coming days and weeks and months, Lord, to strengthen our spirit man to feed the spirit wolf and starve the spirit that are starved the flesh wolf that's going uh, contrary to one another in our life and god as we read the word let it renew our mind on the things of god and the word of god so that when we come to the place where we have to choose we'll make the right decisions we'll side with the spirit and not the flesh and we'll walk in life and peace and not in carnality and death. We thank you and praise you for each and every one that's in this room. God, I ask you to touch and minister to them. I know everybody in this room has a need of some kind, but I also know that you are the need meter. I also know that you can heal them, you can bring peace of mind, you can heal their emotions, you can calm their spirit, Lord. You can solve problems for them. Let answers come to them even when they're not expecting them, Lord, to the complexing problems that they're faced with in their individual lives. God, if they have a need, you meet it financially, spiritually, emotionally, physically, however they, whatever they need, Lord, meet that need, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.